and welcome to episode 90 of the Atlas Podcast. My name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief at Fanbolt.com. I'm Matt Rodriguez, the Owner and Chief Editor of Shakefire.com. And I'm Mike McKinney of LastOneToLeadToTheater.com and ATLCW.TV. And we got some exciting news to talk about. Um, Matt and I are actually headed to uh, San Diego in the beginning of April for an event with Kia. So that's going to be pretty awesome. And we're going to be staying at the Hard Rock Hotel, which anyone that's been to Comic-Con knows this is like the hotel like you want to stay at when you're in San Diego. And it's always packed because that's where most of the, the talent and the actors stay. So I'm excited. We're finally going to get to like check it out and see what, yeah. <laughs> see what all the hype is about. Yeah, but, yeah, no, I'm I'm super excited. This is my first event with Kia, and it'll be nice to go to San Diego without the insane masses that come with Comic Con. It will. I feel like it's going to be a different city um, yeah. without the madness of 150,000 con goers there. But um, like I I've said before, Kia puts on really really amazing events, and they're going to be introducing a, a ton of new people, including Matt, to their. Um, to their cars and to their brand and really, you know, working on, on revamping their, their brand's image. So it's, it's really exciting to kind of be part of this, this new uh, era of Kia. And um, I'm excited that we'll, we'll get to experience that and talk about it a little bit more. Um, I don't know how we're going to record that week. Um, me and you are, you and I might just record while we're in San Diego because we're going to be on a plane all day and we'll be <laughs> back on Thursday. And then Friday morning, I have to hop on another plane to Chicago. Um, so I'm going to be, I'm going to be living off of coffee <laughs> there for a hot second. You could, you could just live at a uh, Hartsfield Jackson, just live at, stay overnight at the airport. <laughs> Be one of those people. Do they have, um, does Hartsfield Jackson have like those, you know, that you see in Japan where it's just like the cubes? The yes, they do. cubes that yep, they you can do. just sleep in? Yep, they do. I've heard one of they do, but I've never seen them. Yeah, they're in, uh, they're, I know there's some in the B section near the middle. Um, they're probably okay. in the international. Yeah, I'm sure they're international, but but they're, I know that they're in the B, B um, terminal. Because that's the one well, that, that's the one I always use to to fly to San Antonio or Austin. I'm gonna uh, come home for a hot second to to say hello to the little monster yeah. and uh, and then uh, and Doug. pack and Doug Doug too <laughs> not just the little monster. <laughs> I thought you were calling Doug the little monster. <laughs> <laughs> no, the little golden doodle who hopefully will not be making an appearance on today's podcast. Aww. Um, she's got a bone and she seems pretty content uh, with it at the moment. So hopefully it'll stay that way. Uh, but we do want to talk about another cool thing here in the city that just wrapped um, last week on the 15th and broke a few records. Uh, Mike, you want to talk about that? Yeah. So the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival um, ended last week. Um, they had their final film, The Last Suit, um, at the Cobb Energy Center, which is the first time they've ever done a uh a closing night film at the Cobb Energy Center, and they had a record uh, 1,600 moviegoers for for that film. Um, you know, at the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival, it's, it was 23 days. They had 190 screenings, which is huge. And the other great thing is they try to bring in guest speakers to talk and and a lot of times debate what about the you know, let you know about the film, but also they do discussions after the film because they show a lot of documentaries and a lot of stuff that um, is very interesting. So they had over 350 guest speakers 
at, at the, the, the film festival. So it was a, it was another record-setting year. I'm sure uh, this year again it'll be the largest Jewish film festival in the world, um, and uh, it's just amazing. They had they feature over 70 films from 27 different countries, so really cool. And the other cool thing is that, um, as with a lot of film festivals, they have a jury prize uh, for a, a bunch of films, but they also have audience prizes, and it's always interesting to see what the audience prizes are. Um, and always, as always happens, uh, none of the films I went and saw won anything, <laughs> which is usually my track record at film festivals. Well, uh, it's always a really cool event and it's something to kind of keep an eye on, you know, December, early January, because it, it usually starts late January and of course runs through roughly this time each year. So keep an eye out for the information on 2019 when that comes around and next up we'll have the Atlanta Film Festival here um, in kind of mid-April beginning middle beginning of April I can't remember the exact dates on it but we'll be we'll be covering that one too Um, but let's go ahead and jump into the box office report and talk about the insane weekend that (laughs) Black Panther had um, and I wish I had written down our bets. Um, None of us I, predicted it. I think I yeah. was the closest because I said 190. Yeah. And well, it, it, even, uh, it blew that out of the water. It did. It came in first, of course, with 202 million and uh, followed by Peter Rabbit in second, which I think I don't even know if we predicted that. Um, yeah. I, well, I did. Five million. I did. For that one. I, All right. Um, Fifty Shades of Freed still in uh, the top five at three at at the third slot for uh, seventeen point three million. Jumanji still hanging in there seven point nine million at number four and uh, fifteen seventeen to Paris in at number five with seven point five million. So and um, and and early man no 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 greatest no, showman once again was great. in the middle of the pack. <laughs> It was. It was it's dropped uh, out of the top five, though. No, yeah, but it's still. It's been now. moving. It's been moving between five and six. Um, it has. Now, now we we had a debate. Well, I had a debate with one of our friends over whether or not Monday should be counted as a four day weekend, which I say it should be because it is was a holiday for a lot of people, and I say that also because it did forty million dollars on Monday. So, I, yeah. so the four-day weekend total for Black Panther was was uh, two hundred and forty-two million dollars, which is amazing. I feel like that's the President's Day, though. Not everyone gets it off. So, does no. it really count as a holiday? If not, I mean, they yeah. counted as a holiday weekend, like box office wise. Yeah, I mean, Although, I why not? I guess I, but I, I, feel I, like I it's think you unfair. should well, see. I think you should count it because of the fact they did forty million dollars. I mean, that's that's a that's a huge, a huge number, number for a weekend opening. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so yeah, it uh, it killed at the box office this weekend and uh, or last weekend. I I think it probably I mean, will it's, this weekend it's gonna too. It's going to kill this weekend too. Yeah. Yeah. What are, what are our estimates for for this weekend? Well, I'm thinking I'm thinking it's gonna it's gonna do between eighty and a hundred. Okay. Yeah, that seems about right. And we've like, got a couple even with of a huge drop off. It's still gonna do massive. Yeah, it'll still be over a hundred million. Yeah, I, t- I, t- um, I talked last night to the manager of the uh, of the uh, um, Atlantic Station, 
And uh, she had uh, 1,300 people see Black Panther. And by, by 8 o'clock, all the screens were Black Panther on a Saturday night, that, which is just amazing. Because you normally, they, they are, usually have one or two screens for other people to see something else besides Black Panther. But all the screens were Black Panther on Saturday night. I feel like we need to talk about the uh, the incident that happened at Atlantic Station as well with Black Panther. Um, a lot of really people that were really excited to go see it uh, got greeted by another movie, uh, Fifty Shades Freed, accidentally played <laughs> during Wrong one color. of the screenings. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't even imagine like going in like expecting to see Black Panther and then how angry <laughs> you would be. Well, it's, it's funny somebody took video of it. So somebody took video of it, and it's. It's all, all the whole audience is going, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, not what you want to see when you when you go to see Black Panther. Um, but we do have a couple of new films coming out this weekend as well. How do you guys think those will play into the to the top five or will they? Yeah, they'll play. I think they'll play into the top five. Um, both Game Night and Annihilation come out this weekend, which we'll be reviewing in a bit, but um, I don't know. I think it's hard to say because, and I don't think Annihilation's going to do a lot just because of how out there a film it is, as we'll discuss later. Um, I could see game. I could see Game Night doing too. Um, yeah, and then Annihil. I don't even know if an Annihilation will do three. We'll do what? what do you think, Mike? Number three. Oh. I um I don't know. It just it depends on some of the other films. Also, um, I'm looking at Game Night probably at sixteen to seventeen million, and Annihilation. I'm I'm lowballing it to like nine million. So all right. And by the way, there's there's another new there's another movie that's going in wide release is going in sixteen hundred uh, theaters that none of us knew about called Every Day which is the first wide release from Orion Pictures in nearly 21 years. Oh, yeah, I remember hearing about that or looking it up. And, yeah, it does not look good. (laughs) (laughs) As evident by the fact that pretty much nobody knows about this movie. Yeah, and they they only had it. They made the the film on a budget of five million. Are you going to go see that one this weekend, Mike? I don't know. Um, (laughs) Maybe I, I maybe. Maybe. <laughs> that Lots of like confidence a yes there. <laughs> um, well, talking about those two new releases, let's go ahead and jump into our reviews and talk about Game Night, which uh, filmed here in Atlanta. So we'll have some Atlanta highlights in this one. Uh, Matt, do you want to tell us a little bit about what this one is about? Sure. So Game Night is Jason Bateman, Rachel McAdams. They play Max and Annie. Um, they're this super competitive couple. They actually met at uh, Bar Trivia. And so ever since their relationship, they've been hosting a weekly game night with them and a bunch of their friends at their house. And all of a sudden, this one week, Max's older brother, Brooks, who's played by Cal Chandler, he comes in and he's, you know, Max has never won a game against Brooks. And so, you know... He shows up, basically impresses all his friends and everything, and then asks to host the next game night. And so they agree, and basically in an attempt to outdo his brother, Brooks organizes this murder mystery game 
where he hires real actors to come and kidnap somebody. And then the game is everybody's got to figure out where the kidnapped person is. Got to follow clues that have already been laid out. But um, only problem is that there are actual criminals who interrupt their game night and kidnap Brooks for real. Of course, nobody else knows any of this is going on and they all think it's part of the game. And so they are trying to figure out where Brooks is and go through, find their own clues, which don't really exist, to, um, to find Brooks and rescue him, so to speak. But um, turns out they're in real danger. And so, yeah, it's this wild and crazy movie that is just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> well, that sounds promising. Um, let's, uh, let's dive straight into it. Uh, were you guys bored at all during this one? Surprisingly not. Um, I, I was kind of put off by the trailers. It looked rather generic to me. Yeah. But um, I was surprisingly laughing a lot. Um, it's really funny. Well, I wasn't, and it's, and the reason why I wasn't is because there is an incredible amount of twists and turns in this, in the plot. And it, and it keeps happening. It's like every five minutes, there's a new twist. Um, so that really helped it. And, it, and it's also a pretty fast pace. Um, uh, once the, once they start, um, doing the, the murder mystery game. Um, so it's, it, it moves really quickly. So I'm, I'm going to give it a one cause I wasn't bored at all. Well, I feel like it's uh, when you have a lot of twists and turns, that kind of makes you sometimes, depending on the story, a little bit annoyed with it. Like, does it really need all of these twists and turns in it? Were you guys annoyed at all? Or were you kind of like, all right, here we go again? No, it's it's and, and the reason is, is because it's also really, really funny. And that helps. So when these twists happen, you're, you're laughing because it's a new twist. And it, uh, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's just a lot of fun to go on this elaborate um, chase. And, and it's, and it's, there's so much going on in this film. It's, it's, it goes really quickly. Not annoyed at all, Matt. Um, there was one little thing at the end that kind of annoyed me, but, um, and it was with Brooks where basically, and it was meant to be played as a joke, where he's like, hey, here's another twist, but it wasn't a twist kind of thing, joke, that he did. And that kind of, that was a little bit too much for me. <laughs> but uh, other than that, no, it, there's there's not much boredom. I have to admit, like uh, like you said a few minutes ago, Matt, when I saw this trailer, I was like, mm, I don't know about this. So it it sounds like it's it's better than it looks. Yeah, from what you guys is, are saying, it is totally better than it looks. Yeah, I went I went to this film with incredibly low expectations because once again we're very close to January and they dump a lot of comedies at us um, that are not very good. But this is so much fun. It's 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 a blast to watch. And it's better if you go into it not seeing the trailer too. I think because. You know, as bad as the trailer might be, it does kind of feel like it gives away a lot. And so there were some things that, like, I just wasn't laughing at as much because, like, oh, I'd already seen seen them in the trailer, right. and I kind of knew exactly what was where it was going and what was happening. I was just like, okay, yeah, that's cool. Well, what about um, best and worst performances? Were there any that really stuck out to you guys? Oh yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> Jesse, <laughs> Jesse Jesse Plemons. So. Everybody knows him from Friday Night Lights and he's um, he's the guy Bad. that uh, I like um, to call him Matt Damon's twin. Yeah, 
<laughs> people people have called him Fat Damon. Aw, that's Sadly, unnecessary. But, but oh my god, he is he is so hilarious in this movie because he's so creepy and because his his humor is deadpan. He plays um, a cop who's also the neighbor to them. And he's divorced, and he used to go to their game nights, but now that he's divorced, um, he isn't invited to their game nights anymore. And so he still wants to go and play with them. But he's just so creepy, and he has this little dog, and it's just... It's it's amazing what and, he does with the character. And also, he because he plays it so deadpan, um, when he's interacting with Rachel McAdams and, and Jason Bateman, a lot of times they don't know if when he stopped talking, you know, whether they need to, to, if they can leave or close the door or what, because he, he does these long pauses. There's just one scene where, where they're Rich McAdams and, and uh, Jason Bateman are getting ready to go the game night. That's over at, at Brooks's house. Um, and of course they're not, they don't want to let um, Jesse Plemons character know what's going on. And they keep getting in and out of the car because he keeps, engaging them again and they keep on thinking okay the conversation's finally finished and then he starts up saying something else and they have to get out and talk to him some more and he's just there's some really good scenes with him he's such such great i will say this though um the other performance i really loved was rachel mcadams um we 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 forget that she can do comedy really really well and in fact i wish and it featured her a little bit more because she's so good at it. I mean, people forget that she was in Mean Girls. And and yeah. so she's got talent for comedy and she's so good in it. And there's a couple of scenes that you are on the floor laughing because she's so funny in them. Yeah, I've loved her since Mean Girls. That was actually the first thing I saw her on uh, before the days of The Notebook. Yeah. Um, so as far as spotting Atlanta locations in this one, um, I'm actually reading one of them here. Rira Irish Pub um, on uh, at 1010 Peachtree Street is in this one. It's not actually on Peachtree Street. It's on that little street right behind Peachtree Street, but I won't nitpick at that. Um, although I may submit that change to, <laughs> uh, to IMDb. But, yeah, that, um, was, that was the opening scene. That was the bar that they were doing the trivia at that they owned. Um, that they met in. Cool. So you guys, I know you mentioned that there was a lot of like skyline scenes and things like that, but as far as other locations like Rira or any other um, interior shots, did you recognize anything? No, not as far as those go. Cause I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the scenes like are they're on the road, they're driving to like single place locations. There's a bar they go to that I didn't recognize unfortunately and then like they go to this guy's mansion house that's you know in some suburb and stuff um i will say though that i want to say i believe that they did film i don't I have no idea where it is or what it's called but it's the bridge the underpass from um stranger things season two that oh, um cool. the sister uh you know uh eleven's fellow sister you know that she basically caused to crumble or at least cause to see the that one cop to crumble right right i want to say they filmed there as well because that looked really familiar and that's i was like oh yeah that's the that's that place from and, and the final the final the big final sequence is on a bridge over there by castleberry 
Yeah. And, and, they, and, it's, and it, it's not it's not set in Atlanta. They don't say it's Atlanta. Um, I was trying to look at license license plates and see where they were, and I ne- they never really give you a good look at them. Um, it's just a generic city, but there are a ton of scenes at night where you see the Atlanta skyline in the background. Nice, nice. So fairly uh, high Atlanta factor in this one. Yeah. Uh, what What about overall on the official scale? One being horrible, five being awesome. What would you guys give game night? I'm giving it a four. I I really liked it. I was laughing pretty much the whole time. Um, it kept me entertained, and it's a solid comedy. Yeah, I give it a four also. Um, I just because of the fact that. It's so funny. I love the twists in it. Um, and then I loved the performances, especially the Rachel McAdams and Jesse Plemons. But Jason Bateman is good, too. I mean, it's got a good cast, too. Uh, Kyle I mean, Chandler. Pretty much everybody. There wasn't really a bad performance. No, there's it. not. I mean, Kyle Chandler's in it. Michael C. Hall's in it. Um, so it's it's got a bunch of, a bunch of really good actors in it. Uh, so it's just a lot of fun. If you want to – it'd be a nice – it's also a nice date night because um, – Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams characters, they're, um, they're, they're, they're in a really good marriage. So um, you get to actually see them meet for the first time in the first scene. Um, and so it's just a fun movie. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, that one comes out this Friday. And also coming out this Friday is our next film. Do you want to set this one up for us, Mike? Sure, as, as best as I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the description says nothing that I that I had other than it was best uh, based on a best selling uh, trilogy. But go ahead and try to. Set yeah, this great. One up. Thanks. Um, <laughs> so there's a, a biologist who's a foreign. She served in the army for seven years, uh, played by Natalie Portman. And uh, just to make it a short, because I could, we could get, we're going to get into details in a second. Basically, she signs up for a, a really dangerous secret mission where they're going to go into this area where the laws of science and nature don't apply. And it's, a, it's an area that um, a meteor hit uh, this, this area and this weird, what would you call it? What's it called? In the- it's called the sh- well, the area is called Area X, right? And um, it's basically the, bordered by the Shimmer. The Shimmer, which is like this reflective kind of wall, at least for the film. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get into that. So, yeah. so that's it's a it's a, a sci-fi horror film is the best way I could describe it. Um, so we'll we'll get more into that that also. Do we know if the is the trilogy also called Annihilation or is that so, just So I've I've read the book or I've read two of the books, two of the three books. Um it's it's called the Southern Reach trilogy. Uh, Southern Reach is basically the the government company that is sending these expeditions into Area X. Um Annihilation is the first book. Okay. And that's what the book that's what the film is based on. Um the other two books hadn't come out by the time Alex Garland, the director, he read the book, or by the time he started making the movie. So um, the second one is called, uh, I believe it's Authority. And then the third one is, um, oh my God, I forget what the third one is called because I haven't read it. But, um, but this is this planned? Do they plan for this to be a trilogy too? Or I don't, I don't know. 
if they actually plan to make a trilogy or just do the first film. Like they, gotcha. there hasn't been any, there hasn't been any talk. Yeah. I haven't seen anything on, on when I was doing research for my preview, this column, I didn't see anything that said this was a planned trilogy. Um, that it was just, I think it's probably going to be a standalone. And I think it also, it also depends on what it's, what box office it does. And I, um, uh, I also don't see um, Alex Garland, who also did Ex Machina. I don't see him doing like a trilogy series. He just doesn't seem, he, he seems like somebody that wants to move on and, and do something new. Right. Acceptance is the third novel. In the trilogy. Okay. Um, it actually said that uh, Alex Garland decided not to reread the book, instead deciding to adapt it like a dream of the book. So, well, I um, guess that makes sense because the movie it primarily it doesn't, it, it. It doesn't follow the book at all. Like it is completely different from the book, which is all right. Which is well, there, there's my, your reason. That's that's my. <laughs> take away from it <laughs> <laughs> well uh let's let's dive into it um how bored were you guys during this one i don't know if it was boredom for me at least because so i'm a huge fan of the notebook um i read it i fell in love with it and its story and stuff so for me a lot of it was like i was super excited to see the film adaptation of it because this is a really weird and trippy story. It's like I was having difficulty myself just imagining this world um, he created just in my head from reading what was on the pages and stuff. And so, like, I was really curious to see how that would translate to film. So, like, a lot of me was just – I was just waiting. I was like, are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? Like – they're not doing any of this stuff. So it was kind of like just this kind of shock of like, okay, they're not going to be following any of the things I was kind of excited to see about. So it did do some cool things. I will admit that, um, that I did enjoy. And like, I will say it is a good film. It's just not the film I wanted to see. So I think that's going to hurt hurt its box office because I think word of mouth of the fans of the of the series are going to be disappointed in this film that it didn't follow the the books um, like like the fans you know were imagining the, this movie to be. Um, I wasn't bored um, in this film. It and it's a lot of it's because a lot of times you don't know what the heck's happening, <laughs> so you're trying to figure out. What what's going on and and there's also some incredibly um, tense scenes in this film um, and I will will warn you ahead of time this is not a film for the squeamish there's some really really hard things to watch in this film I mean there's a there's one scene that's just I mean the, the Matt Goldberg was sitting next to me and he was squirming in this one scene. Um, uh, that that it's just there's and there's a ton of them in this film. It's a really um, it's pretty pretty uh, horrifying film. I actually squirmed more during game night <laughs> <laughs> because of that one scene. Yeah, yeah. We should we should warn people cut. that there is there's there's some violence in game. There's a lot of violence in game night that you don't expect, 
And um, there is a pretty grisly scene, and I won't say anything else. I'm just let, just warning you ahead of time that there's some blood uh, that's spilled in this film, <laughs> quite a bit, in fact. Um, and, and then also in Annihilation, there's a lot of there's a lot of gruesome things that go on in this film. It is a beautiful yeah. film, though. That's that's what keeps your attention is because you know in Area X within the Shimmer, um, basically nothing is what it seems so like all the animals and all the plants all life has basically like crossbred and so like you have all these genetic mutations that you don't see in the normal world and so the way the film portrays all that is just it's beautiful and so just seeing all that come to screen is really cool yeah it's it's like you're in this, this beautiful landscape but it's but there it's a horror film I mean, it's it, the art direction of this film is just amazing. Yeah, it's um, all of the the photos and the previews that I've seen for it um, look look stunning, visually stunning. Um, so, eye rolling factor. Were you guys annoyed at all, or how did that play into this one? Um, I mean, it gets it's more confused than annoyed because there's a lot to take in, especially towards the end when like it's trying to wrap things up and trying to give you an answer that never really comes. So like, there's a lot of confusion. You're just like, what is going on because it's so trippy and weird. So, so yeah, not, not really eye rolling. I would say. Yeah. I don't have any eye rolling. Um, I will say this. I did love one of the things I liked as at near the end of the movie, it does answer a, something that comes up in the first, uh, 15 minutes of the film um, that I was very happy to get kind of like an answer about. Um, so. Uh, so what about best and worst performances in this one? Which one stuck out to you, to you guys? Um, for me, actually, I would give uh, Gina Rodriguez um, my best, my vote for best performance. Um, she plays one of the scientists who sentenced the shimmer and I just, I loved her character. I loved, you know, everything she did and just the, the way she carried herself in the film was great. Yeah, it's, it's a very different part than uh, Jane the Virgin, which is seen on well, my Well, I network. would expect it to be. Yeah, she, she is a foul... <laughs> it's a horror movie. She, yeah, she's a foul mouth, um, tough as nails woman. Um, you know, there's a great scene when they come across a um, a... a a machine gun and she picks it up and she really ponders whether or not to leave her, her M16 for this big giant machine gun. And then she realizes, Oh, we're going to be walking a long way, but, but she's so much fun in this film. Um, I was, as far as worst performance, um, I was a little disappointed in Tessa Thompson's performance just because I've become a fan of hers. And um, I don't know whether it's just because of the part she was playing, because she was a more, more of a, a milder, uh, I don't remember what type of scientist she is or a doctor or whatever. I don't remember what she actually was, but she's she's kind of the of the group. She's probably the weakest of the group. And uh, I just, I don't know, it, it, it just kind of ran me, ran me the wrong way a little bit. And see, so that's, that's kind of the thing, too, that because in the books, they're all scientists. They're not, none of them are like the military background. They're not 
warriors. They're not, they're basically all scientists because all the previous expeditions that have gone into the Shimmer have been, you know, these military people and like they've been all men. And so for this one, they decide to do all scientists except for one person um, to kind of, you know, stay guard. So like they all don't have gun machine guns and stuff like that. It's all very basic. So like I, I like Tessa Thompson because to me, she actually felt like the most scientist out of all of them while the other one while everybody else seemed to be like the straight up military which was cool and all to see but like again going back to like my first comments like this is not the book this is not the adaptation i i wanted to see <laughs> i feel like you have to know like going into making a movie if you're basing it off of a book saying that you're going to base it off of a dream of the book is probably going to anger fans of the book. Yeah. But I mean, you can't expect that to end well. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, like, and I get the fact, like you are going to take some leeway with adapting a book and stuff like that. But like to go so far off because like there are, there are things that it just, it doesn't touch at all. And like one of the things that really, you know, thinking about it later on, like now, like not immediately right after I got out of the theater watching it, it's like one of the things that kind of turned me the wrong way was just the the relationship between um, Natalie Portman's character and her her husband Oscar Isaac, who's basically he was part of an earlier expedition who was sent in, and you know he was. At least in the film, he's the only one who's ever come out of the Shimmer. Um, and just their relationship, it's just, it's so vastly different than the book. And with the book, it's the center point of the book. And so, right. like, to to change that, it, it really irked me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um... This one was not filmed in Atlanta, so not going to no. be a high Atlanta factor here. Um, Thank God. Like I would not want to have the Shimmer be in Atlanta. That would be, <laughs> not be, be a pretty good terrifying. <laughs> um, so uh, overall, one to five on the official Atlas scale, what would you guys give this one? I think I'm going to give it like a 2.5. Like, it's okay. it's a solid, it's, it's an enjoyable movie. I enjoyed it. I... I just, it's not the movie I was expecting. It's not the movie I, I wanted to see. I have a feeling had I not read the book, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. I'm, I'm going to give it, um, I think I'll give it a three. Um, one of the things that I, I found interesting is uh, a bunch of us, uh, Matt and, and uh, Emma and I and some other film critics, we always stay through all the credits. Basically, I'm looking for weird credits for my last one to leave the theater uh, website, but um, we're also waiting for the crowd to to leave um, because they can always be a, a big, uh, a big uh, problem. And, uh, you know, so when we we're sitting in the theater, we usually discuss the film, you know, during those four or five minutes. And usually then by, by the time we walk out of the lobby, we've said just about everything we need to say with this film. Uh, Matt and I stayed in the lobby for about 15 more minutes talking with other film critics and some fans of the book. Um, and uh, there were a lot of other film critics that were doing the same thing. So it's definitely a film that you're going to talk about. Um, it, and it's a beautiful film. And I, I, 
there is one scene that is so intense, it reminded me of uh, uh, Alien, um, because it was that intense, and it was a little bit similar. Um, so uh, just know that there are some very scary scenes in this. Um, there's there, uh, it's not it's not a true horror film. I would call it more of a sci-fi film, but there's some pretty horrific things, much like Alien. Fair enough. Um, well, that one is out this weekend too, and I know you guys also wanted to mention another one, um, a fantastic woman. Do you guys want to kind of briefly talk about that one? Sure. So, a fantastic woman is about um, a woman who, well, she's a, a transgender. Um, she works as a waitress by day, and um, uh, sings uh, in a nightclub at night. She's got a much older boyfriend that she's been seeing for about a year, and she just recently, literally, um, moved in like that day to his apartment. And um, that night, I'm not giving too much away because it's in the trailer, um, he dies. And then the rest of the film is her dealing with the aftermath of that. Um, there's a, his family, most of them do not approve of the fact that they were together. Um, he, uh, the, his, her boyfriend was married at one time. And so she's got to deal with uh, the the ex-wife, she has to deal with the brother of the, the her boyfriend. Um, the police get involved um, and it, it she goes through basically hell. Um, and this is all while she's trying to figure out how to grieve, but she's being asked to do just amazing amount of stuff just to go through hoops. Um, and it's a really great performance. Uh, Daniela Vega is is the uh, the woman that portrayed and Daniela Vega is a, a transgender. Um, uh, she started out as a training as an opera singer, and she's got an, a really incredible voice. And you get to see it's a really good film. Um, it's sometimes a little tough to watch because she is just she just gets literally gets the life just gives crib, craps on her throughout this film until near the end. Uh, but it's a wonderful wonderful performance. Yeah, no. It's also Chilean's um, entry. It's nominated for Best Foreign Language Film at the Oscars. So, yeah, it's a great film. I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, I don't, I don't, it, Matt. I don't think it is actually. It was their entry, but I, I don't think it actually made it to the final list. Well, we have Oscars coming up here. Wait, I, wait a minute. I'm gonna, I'm, no, I could be wrong. Is. It oh, is. You're right. Yeah. It, it is. I'm, I, it I was is. thinking of another film. Sorry. No, you're right. It is a nominee. <laughs> Come on, Mike. I know. I was starting to fact check. Um, well, cool. So uh, those are some good options for, for this weekend. And, of course, next week we're going to have a ton of awesome stuff. Um, we're actually seeing Red Sparrow tonight, which is uh, the new Jennifer Lawrence movie, which I'm really excited about. Um, and we're going to be reviewing that and Death Wish next week. And we have a lot of things that are happening in the next few days. Um, the Walking Dead mid-season premiere is this Sunday night. Uh, so Ooh. we'll get some closure on Carl. Um, 
And uh, we also have, um, I'm actually attending an event at Irony Singleton's house on Sunday night uh, for, he's doing a live stream of Blindsided by the Walking Dead, which is his one man show. Aww. So we'll talk a little bit about that next week too. See, I got to look, um, look at my email for my invite. <laughs> sorry. It's, it's, sorry, Mike. <laughs> we were at his house for, what was it? Season three premiere? Was, Emma? Season, was it was it three, three or two? I think it was I three. Remember. I think it was three. Um, yeah, that was that was a fun night. That was, fun. Um, that was that where was a, I got my first acting gig. <laughs> they were already scouting you out of the crowds yeah. to uh, be Peter's double. Um, <laughs> oh, cool! Um, and we're all we're also going to Matt and I are going to the uh, Atlanta premiere of Atlanta, um, <laughs> the FX series uh, starring Donald Glover on Monday night here in Atlanta. So hopefully we'll get to meet Donald Glover. That'd be pretty. Badass, like I would. That's gonna be fun. I've I've, um, I've met him before. In oh, quotes. have you? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm in the second episode of the season of Atlanta, oh, so I got to right. Did- I got to film a scene, which which ended up in one of the trailers, kind of. But I am obscured <laughs> by by Donald Glover himself. So probably once that airs, then I'll I'll talk a little bit about what I did and kind of stuff like that. Sounds good. You need some screenshots that are as awesome as that uh, Walking, walking Dead still that you're in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I was in a couple of scenes, so, like, I might end up being in a a few scenes in that episode, so I don't know. Depends what they use. Well, cool. Um, we'll definitely talk about that when that airs. But, um, so, yeah, we have all of that coming next week, so be sure to tune back in. In the meantime, please leave us awesome reviews on iTunes and SoundCloud and reach out to us uh, via social media with any questions, thoughts, ideas, suggestions. We're here for you. Um, uh, So that's it for this week, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Again, thank you for listening to the Atlas Podcast. My name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief at FanBolt.com. I'm Matt Rodriguez, the owner and chief editor of Shakefire.com. I'm Mike McKinney of LastOneToLeaveTheTheater.com and ATLCW.TV. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Yay. See ya. <laughs>